0: So, welcome to Only Try to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. I'm Kate Watson. I'm here with my good friend and colleague Stephen Burkett. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen. Um, I uh, know Kate through um, mutual work uh, in the organization I work for, which is a uh, the public behavioral health system in, in Philadelphia. Uh, Kate uh, was um, doing motivational interviewing training uh, at, at my organization and uh, I met her and uh, she ended up coaching me and teaching me and uh, helping me to grow professionally here. Uh, so I, I've been in this uh, field and, and working behavioral health for um, a bit over 20 years, uh, 22 some odd years, uh, and and. I I would say that my interest uh, and path has really been in working with people who have uh, serious and persistent mental illness. Um, And over the years, I've I've had a variety of roles and direct service and uh, program management. uh, And I've been doing training, helping other people to help people um, for the last seven or eight years.
0: You know, it's been a while since you and I have collaborated on a training together, but we used to do that um, here and there. And we would kind of co-teach and we would would give these workshops to professionals about how to support their clients through change. And I kind of thought that might be a good topic for today because Stephen, we've spent all these seasons talking about helping people through grief, helping people with who have anxiety, um, helping people who have major illnesses, like a cancer diagnosis, helping people get through the holidays. Like we've we've gone through all these really specific topics. And I thought you might be a good person to talk about people who are just in the midst of change in general. Like maybe we take a broader look at this. Um you know, it, it doesn't always have to be a big change. It might be somebody who's moving, somebody who's making a change to their diet or a career change or, or whatever, but all people, whoever you are, all people are facing changes in their lives. And I don't know, like what, what makes this so hard? You think like making even the small changes can sometimes feel so difficult.
1: I tend to think that a a lot of it is, you know, sort of how each individual sees themselves and sees the world. Uh, And so maybe they, people identify, uh, yes, I would like to do this. I'd like to eat differently or exercise more or stop smoking. But then there's that little voice in the back of all of our heads that might say, you'll never be able to do this. It's not, going to happen for you. You've tried this before and, and you've failed. So you're a failure. And that little nagging voice uh, that I, I, I think of in, in the back of our heads, um, you know, can, can really prevent people from taking those steps and, and even learning something new. You know, we, we can learn a lot from just trying and, and seeing, you know, okay, how does this work when I actually make an effort to do it? Um, but those those beliefs can often get in the way and, and prevent people from trying to begin with.
0: i I'm so glad you started there that it's it's in some ways like an identity crisis, right? It's like I could never be that person. That's not who I am. I could never be that person who quits their job and backpacks across Europe. I could never be that person or, I could never be the person who skydives. I could never be that person. And it's like, we just don't see ourselves in that, that new life or new role that might be, um, that might be ahead of us. And, and I'm actually, I'm so glad you said that because not only is it true, but it's actually not what most people say when I ask them, why is change so hard? Usually people say something like fear. Yeah, yeah, fear. But I think what you've touched on is, is like more specific than fear. uh, And probably gets more at the heart of this. Yeah,
1: it's maybe what drives a lot of those fears.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I also really believe that we've all, we've all been there, even if you haven't named it that way. Like we've, we've all had that thing that we talk about changing or say, oh, I'd really love to do that. Or I know I should do that. Or it's been on my mind for a while. It's been a goal of mine for years. And there's something just holding us back. Um, and I'll bet you and I can each give our own examples. Um, I think I've given plenty on the podcast, but everybody listening probably has their own example of that thing that they've thought about doing or considered doing, but haven't done yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, part of the human experience, right? We all see things. We see what's happening around us. We see what other people are doing. We see things on television and in the media and have certain ideas about, uh, you know, uh, ideals of of health, of wellness, of beauty, of, of whatever it is and think, oh, you know, I, I'd really like that for myself and I really want to do that. And then there's that that other peace where there there's something uh again maybe something that we tell ourselves that you know you'll never be able to do that why bother trying uh this isn't for you maybe somebody else can do that but but not you. you you stay in your lane
0: who do you think you are that you think you could be one of those people um i think you know for some of us maybe not all of us there's a there's a a little dose of, um, shame in our own heads of, of, you know, like, how how could I possibly think that I'm like so-and-so, you know, my, my friend, Mary made all those changes, but Mary is amazing. And who do I think I am? I'm not, I'm no Mary. I could never do that.
1: Yeah. So, so it is that sort of (laughs) inner voice, uh, the, the things that we tell ourselves, which, you know, I, I, it, both in my work and in my personal life, really believe that that's a core part of what what holds people back from uh, from making change. And it's you know tends tends to be that 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 really preliminary step that that gets blocked uh, because of that. So a lot of times, you know, people can envision what 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 it is that they want for themselves. I've envisioned plenty of things things that that I want for myself um and and a lot of times just don't end up taking those first steps and and my my thought about it is that it, it is those sort of deeply ingrained beliefs that we uh, have about ourselves about other people about the world and you know our place in the world
0: yeah you know it's uh, making me think uh when you and I have done trainings, there's a, a video clip that's commonly used and it's a man talking about quitting smoking or I don't know that he really wanted to talk about quitting smoking, but, but there he is talking about smoking anyway. And one of the things that he says that's really holding him back from quitting smoking is, um, and I, I could just hear him so clearly, he says something like, I just can't even imagine myself without a cigarette. I don't even yeah. know who I would be without a cigarette. It's a part, and he says, it's a part of my character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and so again, it's sort of like, this is how he sees himself. And I think he goes on to also uh, talk about how other people, they can't even imagine me without a cigarette. Uh, so it, it's, you know, we, we internalize things. We see ourselves in our place and, in, in in the world in such a way. But then there's also the external uh, influences that, that certainly play a part uh, in how we progress yeah. Yeah. And, and the weight of those different voices.
0: You know, the people who tune into this podcast are folks who want to be helpful to others. That um, They're probably not tuning in necessarily because they themselves have changes they want to make. Although my secret hope is that you're realizing, oh, this is me. This is me too. (laughs) But people probably come to the podcast because they have someone else in mind. It's their son. It's their spouse. It's their aging parent. It's their next door neighbor. It's their best friend. But they're thinking of someone in their own lives and they're thinking, well, how do I help that person? I, I think that person should go back to school, but they don't wanna do it. I think that person should lose weight, but they're not making that change. Um, And in my experience, Stephen, I want your take on this, but well-meaning people tend to go about it in all the wrong ways. What have you noticed?
1: (laughs) Same thing. Uh, And I always try to uh, apply my personal experience uh, to this uh, and and different behavior changes that, that I've made in my own life. Um, that it, it doesn't tend to happen when just because somebody else thinks it should happen, no matter who that other person is, right. You, you know, uh, I, I can think about changes I made uh, as a, a younger man when, when my parents certainly held, a uh, uh, very significant influence, but didn't matter what they were saying. I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, over 20 years ago, when I quit smoking, um, that you know, when when I quit, it wasn't because of what other people were saying. My my parents, doctors, anybody else, non-smokers who I was friendly with, you know, telling me all the reasons why why I should quit and how bad smoking is for me and and all of those kinds of things. I I, I knew all that but I wasn't too concerned with it. it and, and, you know, my, my process, uh, change process, uh, and, and what led me to quitting was when I started to notice things about how it was affecting my life. And so it became, you know, that internal voice that I was speaking about starting to really say, you know, I don't know if you can do this, but, but you gotta try because you don't like what, what's happening. And so, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, by if the intention is to help somebody else get through something, make a certain change, that it's not necessarily the, the helper, the person in the helping role that, that fixes things or, you know, e- even uh, uh, pushes that person to change. It's it's the person themselves coming up with their their own kind of argument, uh, if you will, for why it is that that change should occur. And and much of what I have learned uh, in in the years since uh, I I met you and started working was all about how to really tap into that internal motivation and take myself out of the equation uh, as as a uh, a change maker the, you know, the, the change that, that I was supporting, it, it was, was really kind of taking a step back and helping other people to figure out, you know, if, if they're going to change, why would they, you know, what, what is their reason?
0: Got to totally rethink the word change maker. Right? <laughs> like what? what does that even mean? Like who makes change? Uh, Probably somebody, but you'll you'll have me thinking about that probably all weekend. Um, As we think about loved ones, friends, family members, people who want to be helpful, I think really what gets in the way of people actually being helpful are a couple things. One is um, they have their own internal dialogue That is like, well, what kind of friend would I be if I didn't tell Steven he's going to die of cancer, right? Like, what kind of parent would I be if I just let my kid fail math class? Uh, What kind of spouse would I be if I didn't help my spouse lose 50 pounds? And we have a go at ourselves as helpers and worry that we're not showing up for people the way that we are supposed to. And we get kind of worried about our own identities. Like, like, I think this is actually the theme now that I realize it. This is what happens on the show, uh, on the podcast. We start talking and like the theme kind of emerges. And I feel like the theme is really around identity. You've got one person who's maybe struggling with the change because they just don't see themselves as the kind of person who can make that change. And then someone steps in to help who sees themselves as, well, I'm a helper. I'm a helpful person. And this is what help looks like. So I'm gonna tell you all the things you need to do and how you need to do it and when you need to do it. And what we end up with is two people who are actually kind of struggling with what to make of their own identities.
1: Yeah, and you know, to that point, one of the things that, that I've noticed over the years and in, in sort of working in this uh, helping field uh, and, and in a helping role is that a, a lot of times, the helper, you know, whether it's a a social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a case manager, peer support specialist, whatever the specific rule is, that a lot of times when the, the person they are trying to support to make a change doesn't you know, make that change, or or isn't making it as as quickly as you know the, the individual would like to see them uh, uh, progressing, or or anything like that. It it impacts their identity, their competency, or or their their beliefs about their competencies. I should say, as a helper, when when ultimately. It has a lot less to do with the individual trying to help, and more to do with where the other person, who is, you know, considering this change, is is actually at. So, if they don't make the change, it's not necessarily about the helper uh, and and what they did right or wrong or you know missed opportunities or or whatever it is. It's you know it's about their own change process. But I've seen a lot of people in the field get seem to get really frustrated and, and sometimes even kind of um, you know, blame or pathologize the, the, uh, the person in the client role when, when they're not making the change. And I have come to see that more as sort of internal frustration with, you know, why aren't I as effective as I'd like to be? And I, I really feel like part of this is kind of letting go uh, of those expectations of, of oneself, right? That, you know, I don't need or, and I can't fix and solve and uh, uh, make somebody else do something that they are either not ready to do, don't fully want to do, or, or whatever reason it is that, that they're not moving forward. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's almost like, people think there must be someone to blame for this. And, and it's either me or the person who I'm trying to help. And, and it's almost like the helper is thinking, I will not be to blame for this. So I'm going to do everything I can do and say all the facts and give all the resources and make all the threats. And, and that way I can lie my head on my pillow at night And say, well, I did everything I could do. It's certainly not my fault. And I think we got to get out of this mindset of like someone's to blame for this. No one's, no one's to blame. This is, this is everyone in your life. Everyone in your life is facing changes. And it's just a big part of life. And there's no one to blame for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, it's, Really, sort of come up with ex- some sort of explanation that I don't know, maybe gets us off off the hook, or, or uh, like you said, allows us to sleep better at night. I did everything that I could, and you know, whether or not the person is making the given change, it's not my fault. Um, but even having to assign fault or blame is. Uh, I I think detrimental to everyone involved.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't agree more that it's, 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 I'll go so far as to call it a little immature and I don't mean that I've never done it. I'm sure I have, I'm sure I do it a lot, but maybe we all as adults have little immature moments and that's probably one I'm guilty of. And maybe some other listeners are thinking, Oh yeah, I'm probably kind of guilty of that one too, that it's, it's overly simplistic thinking to say, well, someone must be to blame here. Um, And the other area where I see like an oversimplification is I think sometimes people believe I must either push this person to change or do nothing, right? That those are my only two options. And I, I hear that whether I'm training professionals or just speaking to everyday people, when I, when I suggest to them that they might back off a little bit, stop being so pushy. People usually say to me something like, oh, what, so I should just do nothing? And I'm like, really, are those the only options you see? You you only see like threaten and scare people or say nothing at all. And I guess I just want to say to our listening audience, if you would like to be helpful, there, there must be about a million options in between, you know, pushing people, threatening them, scaring them on the one end, and doing absolutely nothing on the other end, on this spectrum, there's so much in the middle that is available to you. And and let's explore that area a little bit because the two extremes are not so helpful. We don't abandon people and we also don't need to be jumping down their throats. Um, But my goodness, the, the other possibilities are endless.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of shades of gray, uh, if you will. It's not just black or white, all or nothing. There's the middle ground. Um, And we, as as providers or helpers or whatever role, um, you know, who the the folks that are tuning in are are in, um, we can always look to the person who's actually thinking about making uh, whatever this changes, and try to find out from them what would be helpful. You know, I, I'm here to to be a, of support to you. What kind of support would you like? Uh, what what do you need at this point? And let them sort of dictate the um, the the terms of of what you will be supporting them with and how.
0: Yeah. I, I I love the, the simplicity of, uh, and the humility of, of asking what would be helpful because it means I'm not assuming and I don't want to take a step forward without checking. So I'm just checking like what would be helpful here. Um, and Stephen, I also want to go back to, I think the, the biggest and probably best point you made early on, which was very often, what's in the way for people is, is that they can't quite see themselves as the person who quits smoking or, or runs a marathon or whatever the case may be. And if you really want to be helpful to people, I wonder if you could help them see themselves in some new ways. You can't force them to see themselves in new ways, but I mean, I can certainly imagine saying to someone, I know that you're really struggling with, um, um, cutting down on your drinking, and I can appreciate that it's really hard. I've I've tried to change some things in my life, and it's been really hard. I know there's probably not much that I can say that'll make a difference for you, except I just want you to know I could see you as someone who cuts down on their drinking. I could see you being successful with that, and it's just a simple thing that we say that lets a person know. You know, there, there may be a, a, a future in this for you. Um, I, I see it. That doesn't mean that you see it, but right. at least I do.
1: Right. And it, it's not, it, it's very different to say, I, I could see you cutting back on your drinking or, or, or something like that to saying, I could really see you cutting back on your drinking. So what do you need to do in order to make that happen? Uh, We don't. We don't necessarily have to jump into the planning and and the, um, you know, the the resolution of of the problem or the the issue before it's really been explored. And I I am a believer in trying to help people with sort of imagery exercises. Mm -hmm. Just imagine what it would be like. And, and, you know, in, in that space, tell me what your life would be like if, if you weren't drinking, uh, you know, what, what would uh, the work day be like? What would the after work be like? Who would you be spending time with? Who wouldn't you be spending time with? Uh, how would that affect you? How would you feel in the morning when you got up uh, and, and just kind of being curious uh, my, my, uh, of an old supervisor who, who you had met uh, in uh, our, our earlier work together had the uh, kind of expression of, you know, as, as providers, we need to mind our ABCs, which meant always be curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that part of that, those imagery exercises is not only us as, providers being curious, but it's opening a door to help the individual be curious about what life could be like for them.
0: Mm -hmm. I I love that. The ABCs. I, I love it because I think that's something people can really remember, obviously, because you remember it after all this time um and I I think those are really helpful things for folks to walk away with especially you know on a podcast where people might be listening while they're driving or something you don't need to write that down like always be curious ABC that folks I don't care if you're at a red light right now whatever you can you can remember that um I was gonna share something with you I think um as a fellow trainer you may appreciate this and I, I and I'm curious if if Always be curious. I'm curious if if this has been your experience. But as a trainer, as you know, as someone who stands up and gives workshops, I, I have this perpetual feeling that there's never enough time. Right? Like, like I I always wanted just like another hour to share a little bit more. And I've noticed, you know, my one day workshop sometimes becomes a two day workshop, and I've even done the three day workshop, and it's like. We're just always expanding. I shouldn't say we, I am always expanding how much I want to give to people on this subject of change and communication and helping folks. And the bigger it gets, you know, a day, two days, three days, my goodness, a whole week, whatever. The bigger the the body of content gets, I think sometimes the more in the weeds we get. And we, we almost risk losing like the big picture Because now I'm getting into the brain science and and research from 10 years ago and research from five years ago. And by the way, did I give you this statistic? Well, we've got time. Let me give you this statistic. And we get so in the weeds sometimes. And usually after I've been with a group for like days, I say to them, if you wanted me to tell you in a sentence what helps people change, I I think I could give it in a sentence. And they look at me like, well, then why were we here for three days? <laughs> why, why, why did we do this, Kate? But I really, do, I really do think in one sentence, people change when they believe they are worthy of change. And I think it taps into what you're saying about identity, how we see ourselves, how we feel about ourselves. Um, I know personally, when I'm struggling to make a change, it's almost always at a time when I'm not feeling so great about myself in general and everything just feels a little harder on those days. Um, But if we can help people see their worth, see their value, see even the possibility of their worth and value, that I really believe some of the nitty gritty we can kind of forget about and just hold on to that bigger idea of. Help people feel worthy. And that means not scaring them and threatening them and putting them down and saying, how could you be so stupid? Why are you still smoking cigarettes? Are you an idiot? That's not helping people feel worthy of change. Calling them idiots, teaching them things that they already know is not helping anyone walk taller that day.
1: Note to self, don't call clients (laughs) idiots.
0: (laughs) Yes, as tempting as it may be sometimes to call folks idiots. uh, And I I, you and I are laughing because we of course know not to do that. But you see it out there in the world, maybe not so much professionally, but I certainly see spouses and parents kind of looking at each other like, you know, how could you be such an idiot? You failed math. What are you an idiot? Um, And folks like Shouting at your teenager that you're an idiot is not going to get an A on the next math test. <laughs> right. um, helping people feel worthy of making a change and feeling like there it's a possibility for them. It's going to get us all much further.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that that I try to really reinforce and in, in a lot of the, the trainings that I do, I think. Really goes along with that, it's, you know, not just helping them to feel worthy, but helping them notice those moments when they have had, you know, some sort of success, however big, however small, that will contribute ultimately to them feeling more worthy. Because I think that a lot of times, you know, people don't necessarily notice when good things are happening. I, I always think about uh, stand-up comedians, and a stand-up comedian could be giving, you know, a, a concert or a performance for a group. Ninety-nine percent of the room is laughing, they're clapping, they're enjoying it, but there's one person there who's either, you know, looking at their watch, kind of looking bored, and and the uh, performer, the comedian, is focused on that one person instead of the ninety-nine other people. So they're not even noticing that 99% of the room uh, is, is really responding. They're fixated on that, that one person who isn't. So, you know, I think that in order to feel worthy, people have to notice those good things that are happening. Again, however small, however large. And I think part of the role of, of the helper is to draw a person's attention to those things if they're not noticing them for themselves or, or asking questions about successes that's going to you know kind of draw that information out from somebody so they'll have to kind of recognize it. Oh, well, yeah, I, I did this. I did, I did something right. I did something good. I was successful. Um, I think that's, that's a, a really important function of, of, of the helper.
0: Yeah. Noticing those wins can only help the person's identity, self-image, self-worth, and create more hope and possibility that, that more wins are in the future. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, this has been lovely. Um, I hope you would love to come back on the podcast sometime and we can, you know, explore more what happens when you call people idiots because um I'm thinking very little good, but who knows? Who knows?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you, Kate.